3: used to say, Ram Nam Karnese Sapura Hojata. It's through repeating these names, through taking these names, the names of God, which in India, one of the ways they say that is Ram Nam, names of God. Everything is made full and complete. It's, it's a ripening process. It's a ripening process. When when the sun comes out, it ripens the fruit. It's a natural process. And that's what this is. When the sun comes out, when we turn towards that place within us, it ripens us, it ripens us. And it uncovers that place within us, that is our essence it's already there we're already here but it's a question of uncovering it and that's what these practices do all these practices do the same thing regardless of what the people selling the practice tell you they all do the same thing they give you back yourself And we're attracted to the various practices that we're attracted to for lots of reasons. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that you do something. If you don't do... If you don't plant seeds, nothing will grow, right? It's just like that. Every time we turn we release a thought or an emotion or we bring ourselves back inside, we are planting a seed in our own life stream, our own mind stream, a seed of awareness, a seed of being here, a seed of generating more. You're not going to let her in? Let her in. Okay. So, um, that's what we're doing. It's a very simple thing. But we make it really complicated. That's what we do. That's what people do. You do your practice and you live your life. And the practice itself will change you from the inside out. It's like we're born with uh, wearing glasses with the wrong prescription. <laughs> and over time, as we do these practices, this, the prescription self-corrects, right? So think about it. If you're, born with, if you're wearing glasses with the wrong prescription and you don't know that, besides the headache, <laughs> you think things are the way you see them, right? Like that tree is like a blurry thing and, and, you know, nothing's clear. But that's, that's all you know, so you don't question it. It's just natural, right? That's what you see. So then over time as you do these practices and that prescription changes, the way you see the world changes. And so the way you act will change. The way you feel will change. How you treat other people will change. They won't look so scary. They'll just like people instead of these big monstrous blobs which is the way we see each other. So that's what these practices do. It's all so simple. It's all so simple. But but the key is doing it. The biggest moment, the most important moment of the practice is the moment you get your ass down there to do it. That's that's the biggest moment. That's the hardest thing. So, any questions or anything, anything you want to talk about, just raise your hand and we will take you out of the room.
0: <laughs> okay, this isn't really a question. I just wanted to thank you uh, for being courageous enough to follow your destiny and help bring your guru's message to all of us.
1: You're it welcome.
0: Thank you. It means everything to me. Thank you. Thank you.
3: <laughs> well you know if I could have done something else I would have <laughs> so you know it's easy to get credit for something you had to do and you had no choice you know. one second one second Great. Oh. I just have a low tolerance for suffering you know I don't know. You seem to like it very much, but I I just uh, I just have a very low tolerance for it. I hate it. So I spent my life trying to figure out what to do about it. And um, and, you know, when I started singing with people, it was very, you know, I was standing in my room in New York City. And. uh, I was struck like a lightning bolt with the understanding that. If I did not sing with people, with people, then I would never be able to clean out the dark corners of my own heart, clean out the shadows of my own heart. It was very much with people, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I had to force myself, you know, to, to get out there and start singing with people and This practice is very much done with people this way. You know, it's been done, even in India, that's the way they, there's always, many times it's call and response, chanting of the name. And uh, it's not enough to sit in your corner in your room and get high on some mantra or some meditation practice. It's just not going to make it. It's a nice hit. But if you go out and kick the dog and run people over with your car, believe me, that's not going to make it. So part of this thing for me was being with people in a good way, you know, learning to uh, overcome my programming about people. Like we have lots of programming. We see everybody and we judge everybody instantly just by the way they look or their body language, what they're wearing. So that's all part of stuff to let go of, you know. So ultimately, when I'm with you all, all I will see is my guru. You know, you'll all become him. And who is he? He's love. So all there will be is love. And that's what I'm working on. Right? And so I need you to do this. If you aren't here, where would I be? I'd be home watching TV. And I think this is probably better. So anyway, next question.
4: Thank you for coming to the Midwest. (laughs) Um, I wondered if either you or your guru had anything to
3: say about this remarkable time that we're on in the planet right now. So many people awakening to love, either in terms of the ages that the earth has gone through or anything that you would like to say? First to of God. all, he never said anything about it, and I don't know nothing about it. <laughs> I know Ram. Free Ram, Jaram, Ram, that's what it comes. I really don't know anything about that. I wouldn't know how to even begin thinking about that. Because just think about it, you know. What I think and what I see and what you think is, is based on what you know, where you were born, what language you spoke, what your parents were like, what you learned growing up, and then what you're exposed to as you grow up and what you see, what practices you do, who you meet, what they say. What's really going on, I have no clue. I don't even particularly care. I'm doing the best I can with what I've been given and what I have to do I'm just trying to do the best I can, live the best life I can live. And I'm hoping that that's going to be enough for me and everybody who comes in contact with me. I I couldn't, I I don't, forget about that kind of stuff. I don't even know about music. (laughs) I mean, let's get real here, you know. I lived in India my whole life. I never studied Indian music. Why? I'm too busy chanting. You know, I'm not going to take the time off to study the science of music, which is fantastic, amazing, ridiculously beautiful, beyond belief. But I don't have time for it. I want to be love. Like Ram Dass' new book, Be Love Now or Sooner or Later. (laughs) You know, that's that's all I care about. And in a nutshell, I obviously I care about a lot of things, but and I do care about the world, but I can't understand it. You know. So sorry. No, that is what's happening on the planet. Everyone wants to be love. Uh huh. Everybody. <laughs> well, some people don't know it yet. Uh uh-huh. They're all heading there. It. Yes, it's true. Everybody does want the same thing. Everybody does want this, and everybody's on the way to this. So when you see people doing things that are going to create suffering, not just for others, but for themselves, it's really heartbreaking. And that's part of, you know, when George W. was in the White House. Not that he was my favorite guy, you know. I didn't like him very much, right? So one day I was cruising through the channels, and I stopped at a news channel, and I saw a live broadcast. President Bush was, came to Florida to meet with the first group of widows from the Iraq war, the first 40 or 50 women who had lost their husband in the war, right? And they showed him coming in, you know, into the building and walking down the hallway and very presidential-like, and he walked into this room, this room, and he started to be President Bush, but in about 10 seconds, he completely melted down. He was weeping like a baby. How can you hate somebody like that? Right? You can't... Everybody has that inside of them. Even somebody who... and. Look at what he did. Look at the suffering he created. It's because of him and his father that all those guys died. No other reason. And the oil interests and all that other bullshit, right? But he's going to suffer for that. Just like those women are suffering. Just like those men suffering. Just everybody who died. And, so it's, and they don't know that there's any other way to live, right? They don't know there's any other way to be in the world except to be run by their own anger and selfishness and greed. That's really heartbreaking, actually. So. On a lighter note, would you kindly share with us your uh, recent experiences on your tour in India, please? Why would that be a lighter note? (laughs) You know, I, I, I would go to India and I'd just disappear in the mountains. That's what I like to do. Because it's hard to disappear in America. Even when you're home alone, the television is there. But not in India. So I would go and just hide in the mountains and kind of recover from being me. So, But I've been getting all these emails from people in India saying how much they love the chanting. I saw you on YouTube and I'm thinking this is very wonderful and I would love to hear you <laughs> sing so nice. <clears throat> <laughs> so, you know, my my teacher, uh, Siddhima, who is with Maharaji for 40 years, she's been taking care of us since he left the body. and She's been telling me I need to rest and not travel so much. And, but... I was sitting with her, and I said, you know, Mom, I'm getting all these emails from Indians. Why, they want me to sing in India. And, I'm, I, and I said, you know, should I do that? And I'm thinking she's going to say, no, nah, stay home, you know. Stay home and rest. I said, Ma, you know, should I do that? You must.
1: <laughs>
3: it, was, it was hard, you know. And I came out on the stage of this place in Mumbai, and there were 2,000 people in the room. There were were little babies, there were techies, there were people, there were old ladies, there were old guys, everybody, you know, the whole shmeer, so they say in India. (laughs) And I would just, I just looked at these people, I said, what are you doing here? There's so there's a million kirtanwalas in India. What are you here for? What is this? You know, oh no, we like you too much. <laughs> and uh, it was so beautiful. They sang their asses off. They knew every line of every song. They also knew every joke I ever told. <laughs> they watch YouTube all the time, right? I, there was nothing I could pull on them, you know. It was horrible it was so sweet it was unbearable I tell you it was too sweet really too sweet yeah it was it was really good and it was it it helped me a lot because I had this kind of I was hesitant I was a little nervous about it I mean just because I don't you know when I first started chanting in India with the the kirtan I would sing what they sang right because that's what we were you know then I came back to America and go back and forth, back and forth. But when I started singing in America, a little bit by little bit, the what I learned kind of disappeared, and who I am kind of came back, which is just like a elapsed a rock and roller. So the chance just started to change. I didn't. It wasn't anything I did. I thought about, but they just started to come through in a different way, more uh, more natural to you know Long Island. So, um, so now and there I am in India, you know, uh, well, I'm not sure they're going to particularly appreciate the long Island Kirtan while school, you know, but fuck it. I had to do it anyway. I couldn't be somebody else, you know? So I just did my normal thing and everybody was cool. It was so beautiful. You know, it really was, it was really something. And. It was amazing, the, the love and, and the sweetness that, that they expressed, you know. It was really extraordinary. So beautiful. In New York, people won't come from the east side to the west side. You know, these people came from 100 miles away in India, which is like coming from the other side of the universe. It was really sweet, really sweet. Thank you.
1: Uh, I have a question about chanting in uh, this tradition
3: versus others. There's all these beautiful chanting traditions you know, Arabic and in Hebrew and Chinese, and they all seem perhaps to be able to, to have that transformative effect when people chant. But there seems to be something particularly powerful about Sanskrit chants. And some people write about Sanskrit like it's you know very scientifically designed to connect with all the different positions in the mouth or something. Do you feel that there's something uniquely
1: Powerful about chanting in Sanskrit in particular, or do you think any chant
3: in any tradition will have that equal transformative power? Yes. (laughs) I think whatever you do is the thing you do. And if you do it wholeheartedly, it will work. And I don't know that one thing is better than another thing. You know, sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. (laughs) Whatever you do, they say Sanskrit is a revealed language, which means that for those beings who are part of that lineage, um, you know, uh, in the Bible it says, "In the beginning was the Word." This is what this is what they're talking about. This when things come from the formless into the form, when the vibration slows down enough to actually be seen and heard actually first, right? So different lineages are all for the people who are attached to them, involved with them. So, uh, One thing's not better than another thing. And people, everybody says their own thing is the thing, right? God bless them, like my grandfather used to say, because he didn't mean it. <laughs> but whatever. Okay? I mean, it's not, who cares? And it's very hard to to pronounce Sanskrit correctly anyway. I don't. You know, there are even Hindi, which is like Sanskrit light, you know, is very difficult for Westerners. There's four T's and four D's, ta-ta-ta-da. Did you hear four T's? (laughs) I didn't, and I said them. So it's really difficult. But Maharaji didn't care. First time we sang the Hanuman Chalisa to him, I, he stopped me, he stopped us and tried to correct me, and my mind went completely blank. I went, and he went, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, just sing, just sing, he never corrected us again, ever, <laughs> he said, let them sing, their hearts are pure, just shut up, you let them sing, <laughs> and that's the point, actually, you know. It's When it comes from here, it's cool. If it's not coming here from from here, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's not going to work.: Hi.
4: Hi. Um, so you're speaking to your practice of when you feel the darkness, you need to chant with others, and it's beautiful and you feel it. But when you have moments that you leave and you're with yourself and perhaps the darkness comes back, how do you get yourself, not motivated, but how do you get yourself back? Like, what is it? Because I know I struggle with that challenge. I'll leave here this weekend and I'll feel completely blissed out.
3: You'll crash, yeah.
4: Yeah, what is, I know there's not a specific trick, but what do you do?
3: Well, there's a lot of ways to talk about it, but you keep doing your practice, that's all. You've got to understand, your practice isn't about how you feel. I keep the mic in case you want to say something. Doing practice, it's not about how you feel when you're doing it. You're planting seeds. That's all. You're planting seeds. You're, putting an, you're making an effort to pay attention and be here. That's a big thing. It's not going to bring fruit right away, but it does. uh, So, But we're so programmed to think that our feelings are the most important thing in the universe. How I feel now is obviously more important than anything else in the world. That's something to get over. But you can't get over that until you've ripened quite a bit. Because that's part of the ripening process is recognizing that uh, that it's not about me. Me is the problem. Me is the evaluator. Me is the judger. Me is the, me is the one who puts me down all the time. Me is the program that's running it that tells me I'm a piece of shit. It's just a program. The fact that we believe it is just all the time Is is because we haven't made any effort to uh, detach ourselves from it, to extricate ourselves from that obsessive flow of thought. We wake up in the morning, and we start writing, producing, directing, and acting in the movie of me. (laughs) And that's what we do every day. And then we write reviews. (laughs) Which we read and get even more depressed. So what happens is that through these practices we, when we're doing our practice we're not planting the seeds of confusion and self-hatred and suffering. And when we're doing our practice we're not planting those seeds. So we're creating space, so to speak. So we're planting seeds of space from and freedom from those that flow of thought. You can't shoot a thought you can't kill a thought you can't even like barely let go of it but all you can do is to let go of it and that comes from training that's why that's why it's important to do something regularly you know even 5 minutes a day regardless of how you feel because it's not about how you feel over time what happens is you spend less and less time in darker negative states of mind. You do. I am a, a member of Mopers Anonymous. <laughs> a charter member, by the way. I'm a moper. I'm my whole life. I moped around. That's what I did. I moped around. And I, I testify. I I witness, I bear witness to the fact I actually mope around less. It's horrible. I miss it. There's such a, something so rich and juicy about moping around the house. Uh, yeah, shit. I mean, come on. How do you want to give that up? But what happens is those moments don't arise quite always as much or as intensely as they always do because you are committing yourself to uh, opening your heart. Opening your heart doesn't mean falling in love with your shoe, you know? It means letting things be as they are. So if you're not reacting to all these moods, then you're not in them the same way. But that takes a little time and patience with yourself. And we have, since nobody was ever patient with us, we have to kind of learn how to do that like babies because the programs are running, right? So give it a little time, take it easy and, you know, just try to enjoy being depressed. It's not so bad. Thank the passage just like everything else, you know. You can't try to hold on to it. You'll see. You can't. Over this way. Can't turn that way anymore. Hold on. Hi. Deal with it. <laughs> there you go. That's how it,
2: you were deciding if you were going to actually be available earlier this, when you showed up. Okay. I'm just giving you a hard time. It's kind of fun. I didn't I notice. just bought a harmonium. Sorry? I bought a harmonium uh-huh. yesterday. Can you tell me about your harmonium and what it's like to play as part of your practice? What that does for your practice or how it adds to it or how I might maybe? You know, add to my and, and what? how I might add to my practice with it, or learn it, or
3: leave it in your closet.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: It'll probably be, be the best thing for you. <laughs>
1: um,
3: this is not about music. Okay, chanting is not about music. Okay, it's about chanting. It's about rep- repetition of the names of God the names of your true nature. If, mm. if music helps you to do that, that's a good thing. If mm. you're going to spend the next 20 years learning how to play the harmonium, that's ridiculous. Two weeks. Yeah, two weeks, yeah, right. So uh, the only reason I started with the harmonium is because I used to play this two-stringed instrument, like it was a drone instrument. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I started singing with people, it wasn't loud enough in the room. And the idea of a sound system never arose in my mind. So, so I, got, I had a harmonium and I had, when I was a kid I took a few piano lessons and I knew a little bit. So I started playing the harmonium. That's all. That's why. Because um, I like chord changes. In India they don't have chord changes the same way. They have them but they're not um, emphasized the way we do in Western music. So... Um, if it helps you to pay attention, then it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. If you get lost in trying to make up new songs and you know get on a whole trip about it, then it's a waste of time.
2: The reason I picked mine is that it, it moved my heart. And Sorry. My, the reason that I chose the one that I did mm-hmm. is that when I play it, just any drone, any note... That it just vibrates my heart and my and my solar plexus.
3: So you should trust that. Okay. Go with that. And keep listening to yourself so that you don't get lost in the nonsense side of it.
1: Thank you.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Also, when the world crashes and there's no electricity, the harmonium will still work. I've got a question. See, I do read the papers. <laughs> Where are we?
2: One question here. Hi. Yeah, hello. I'm a musician from Chicago. Been in rock bands pretty much all my life. Mm-hmm. And then I became a yoga teacher because I had some health issues, and uh, it was the best way for me to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've been trying to transition my music, the heavy metal and so on. I have a variety. You know, we did disco, jazz, rock and roll, heavy metal. And I was thinking, wow, that would be really cool if I could bring that into a a curtain kind of situation. But getting that heavy metal feel is just like everybody's kind of like real mellow music here. And so when I'm thinking about putting that hard edge on it, when you're putting the hard edge on
3: it. You're wearing a singer, I can see.
2: (laughs) When you put the hard edge on a lot of the stuff. I don't know, I think it turns off a lot of the people that are more mellow yogis. But I was trying to be that bridge to transition um, others from my rock and roll world into this world, but what do you think about that?
3: I wouldn't try to do anything to anybody. Yeah, it hasn't been working so you far. Know. Get your own ass together and then everybody else will follow you. you. know, If you think I'm trying to do something for you, you're out of your mind. <laughs> Why would I wanna do that? I can't even do anything for myself. How am I gonna do something for you? It's not about, this is not some missionary trip. This is about saving your own ass. <laughs> lock yourself in your room. No, no one else can save it for you. So lock yourself in a room and play heavy metal till your heart breaks. And then everything will happen. It doesn't matter what you play. It just matters who you are and who you believe yourself to be. And um, Don't use music. And don't use chanting, and don't use yoga to do anything to anybody else. Let yourself transform first. Even if it takes 5,000 births, then something will happen. And everybody who meets you will get a hit. It's not, you know, everybody has to do their own work here. You can't, you can't... uh, If I was trying to get you off, you would feel that, and you would get, you would resist. I'm not trying to get, I'm trying to, to, you know, to do my practice, that's all I'm doing. and So it frees you to do your practice and to have your experience, which is what you have to have. So um, just keep doing what you do and let it transform, let it change. It's not the music that's going to change you, it's the, the practice aspect of the chanting. The name itself has the power. To transform your heart and your life. However, you express that is, doesn't matter. But if you're doing it in the hopes that other people respond, then that's like taking a seed and flushing it down the toilet instead of putting it in the ground. All right? It's completely the wrong, not wrong, but it's completely the, the it's just not going to work. I you. just,
2: you know, for me, when I was studying the Beatles and so on, George Harrison, um, you know, I, I we studied the whole history of that and how much he was, you know, the reason why we probably have yoga out here and so on.
3: Um, no, 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 don't I go. I don't on.
2: know. It, it seemed like he was someone that was the transition. Uh, you know,
3: the he was minute. doing it for himself. He was a cranky bastard.
2: George Harrison. Yeah, and he really?
3: was doing it because he got off chanting. So he, uh, he, that's why he chanted because he, it worked for him. You know not because he was trying to change the world.
2: Mm. But he did by accident, right.:
3: It happens. <laughs> uh, and he didn't well, whatever, but still, he, he was doing it for himself, you know, because he was suffering a lot from all the stuff that he went through, and the chanting freed him from that, and it started to free him from that. and that's why he was doing it, so um, So yeah. You know, uh, but anyway, you're not George, and neither am I, and neither is anybody else here. George is George. You have to find your own reasons for doing things, and you have to um, look at yourself. and Don't think about other people like that. You know, have, you have to have some, you have to recognize people are the way they are. There's, there's lots of reasons why people, like that we are the way we are. And if we're going to change, it has to come from the inside of each one of us. Um, I I started chanting, and I say this a million times, to save my miserable ass. That's why I'm doing this, you know. The only problem is that the definition of my ass kind of expanded. (laughs) As time went on. I had nothing to do with that. It just happened, so... Don't be thinking that you're going to help other people. I mean, you just learn. But you got to put the food in your own mouth first before you can take give give to other people too. You know, you have to have the food to give. So, can I have a question on the other side of the room? My neck is breaking. <laughs> uh, I haven't done asanas in like.
4: A I've got a question.
3: Oh, oh Okay.
4: Um. Actually, this is perfect because this is. This is sort of about what my question had to do with... I'm even getting a soundtrack to my question. It's Jesus. <laughs>
3: <laughs> He's going to answer you. Next question.
4: Um, so there are many people here who are yoga teachers, meditation teachers, who are uh, singing and bringing it out to people. And one of the reasons why I've continued to respect you over the years is as your ass has expanded um, you've been able to <laughs> as you so eloquently put you've been able to um, you've been able to keep your center and and to, to not allow that to affect your ego to get caught up in that you I know that you have the blessing of your guru and that you're able to offer what you do up to him, and that's sort of your technique for staying grounded and not letting all this get to your head. And I think there's a lot of us that are out there uh, doing a dance. Uh, At least for myself, I get confused with trying to share something in full expression and not get a big head about positive feedback. And I think you know what I'm trying to say. Mm
3: -hmm. I don't know what the question is.
4: If you could just speak to uh, those of us who are in that question. It's it's the same
3: for everybody. These practices you do uh, for yourself. As you do the practices, how you see the world changes. So how you see yourself changes. And ultimately, uh, you get to the place where if anyone is suffering, you are also suffering. So you'll do anything to remove anybody's suffering, because it's the same as your own. So this is that's the ultimate expression of what they call uh, loving kindness or bodhicitta, where the, your heart your your heart embraces the whole world. There's no difference between anybody, and that comes from doing practices, the practice to transform yourself. So if you're doing those practices to transform yourself, you can share those practices. And in the sharing of the practices, you can see where you get stuck and then you have to let go. You know, it's just constant paying attention to your own motivation and, and what you're doing and trying to keep it uh, honest and, you know, and, and trying to keep some humility that, you know, You're sharing a technique. You're not sharing the wisdom of the universe. And the technique, hopefully the technique is working for you in a real way so that you can transmit it that way to other people. But as far as... uh, You have to allow the practices to work from the inside. And these practices change the way that you sit in yourself and they change the way that you live in the world because they change the way you see things. When you see things differently, you act, react differently. Enemies no longer look like enemies, they look like people who are having a hard day. And they didn't, and you're not the target of that anger, even though it looks like it's coming to you, you know? know? And if you wind up getting uh, so called big ego that's good because it's a longer fall, and it'll hurt more <laughs> and the pain of that will eventually wake you up and there's no there's no fast track to this you know this is just everyday life getting through the day in the best way you can and um when you share a practice. You give somebody the gift of a technique that they can use to help themselves It's not about making disciples and the problem is that this this whole thing, the yoga world, the chanting world, has become for people a a um a career and you know and uh it's very Difficult to keep a uh, pure intention when you have to pay your bills, and if you if you if you don't get a certain number of people in the door of your studio, you won't be able to feed your kid. So you have to find ways to suck people into being your students, and you know that's the way the world is. It's not really a bad thing. Uh It doesn't have anything to do with yoga or spiritual practice. It's business. Is it bad that we're using yoga to make money? No, it's not bad. Is there a price to pay for that? Probably. But not later. The price is now. Because it becomes the way you feed yourself so you can't really be honest with yourself about uh, your motivations. Really, it's hard, very hard. But it's good. It's good work. There's no place to hide, unless you know you're not looking. And if your job is to look and to be. Uh when I started singing, I hadn't. You think I saw any of this coming? Well, yes and no. But mostly no at first, certainly. And there were six people there at Jiva Mukti, And they had to be there. They were part of the teacher trainees. (laughs) They were required to come. If I'd known that, I I thought, wow, six people came. Wow, that's really good. (laughs) Maybe next week there'll be seven people. if If I sing really good. See, it's so subtle, right? the really cool thing is that these practices do work by the, even if we don't think they work they do work and just like planting a seed the more the, the, uh, the more you know about that how to plant the seed the, the more chances that it will grow successfully, right? so it's a purification practice for all of us you know and it um, takes time for, for, for uh, to develop a new way of, of seeing things. Because uh, we're very programmed, you know. We're born in families we're born in, in the culture we're born in, in the language that we speak, in the people that we meet, in the way we're, uh, the way we're educated, and the newspapers we read, the people we hang with. Very programmed by a lot of things. But these practices take us in beyond the level of all that programming. Little by little. If it goes too fast, they put you away. And then there's no TV. (laughs) Or if there is, it's just CNN, you know. In the room with all the other psychotics. So, You just do the best you can, period, according to your own lights. Nobody can judge you. Uh, It's not about doing it any particular way. You do the best you can. Whatever that means to you, there's nothing else you can do, right, except to do the best you can. But trying to do the best you can is, is good motivation because it means paying some attention and trying to not hurt other people, you know, for your own sake. It's a tricky thing. A lot of subtleties there. Especially when you have to pay your bills. I mean, it's, it, it's a real issue. It's very good. It's very good. <laughs> very good. <laughs> Messy. And we all have to find our own way through it, you know? You know what? One of my favorite things growing up was this movie. It was a book. Actually, I read this book once, Waiting for a Train, in Kanpur, we were on the platform for three days. And during that time I found this book in the little bookstall at the on the train station. I read it. It's called The Razor's Edge by Somerset Mom. And it's about this guy who grows up in Chicago, and he gets he stuff happens, he goes off to the war and he has devastating experiences, and he meets this guy who kind of tells him about stuff and he goes on this spiritual path, right? And he gets this very powerful experience and life. And how does he wind up? As a taxi driver in New York. Not a great guru, right? He goes through this whole transformation. Really, something happens from and he winds up driving a cab in New York. That I love that. (laughs) (laughs) You know. he just, it didn't have to show, you know. It wasn't for other people to see. Everybody that got in that cab got something really good. And they didn't know it, what it was. He was just driving his cab, and, you know. So it was just too cool. It doesn't have to show. It doesn't have to show. You know, one time I was at uh, one of Maharaji's great devotees' house. His name is Dada. And um, Maharaji had left the body many years before. And um, it was a time of the Kumbh Mela, the Maha kumbha Mela in 1989, which was the 12th. If you know anything about this this particular astrological uh, lineup comes once every 144 years, right? And then they have this, this celebration, this At at this special place. So this was the 144th year. And there were like 20 million people there. Biggest town. And became the biggest city in India in about two days. And um, so I was going to stay at the Mela grounds. Down by the river. In this sadhus camp. And so I came to my devotees, devotee's house, Dada. For a few days. And then the Baba who had this camp was going to send his devotee to show us where to find him at the Mela grounds. Because there's 20 million people and no map. So, uh, Dada kept saying to me, Krishna Das, you know, you know, why are you going there? Oh, Dada, blah, 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 blah. Oh, okay. He asked me like every, you know, two minutes, why are you going? Because for Dada, you know, there was only Maharaji. There wasn't, he didn't go out of his house, you know. Anyway. So, so this sadhu arrives. The Baba sent his, just one of his disciples. And this guy comes in just shiny and bright and all ego and proud and walking in like this, like he's walking to some low, lowly householder's place, you know, because he was a sannyasi, right? He walks in like this. Yes. And Dada, who's older than him, certainly deserve some respect from this guy. (laughs) But he didn't, it was just horrible, right? So anyway, so the guy says, the car is outside, now you come. So Dada grabs me. He says, Krishnas, come with me. I said, but I have to go. Just come with me. He takes me into Maharaji's room, right? And in the room, there was this old, rusty cabinet. And he reached down underneath the cabinet. He pulls out this old, dirty, old, rusty key, right? And he opens up the cabinet, and it creaks as it opens. And he reaches down on a shelf, down in the back of the shelf. He reaches, and he he pulls out this something wrapped up in old, grungy newspaper, right? And he unwraps it, and it's... A lota. A lota is like a, a pot, a little metal pot, right? Where you hold water or milk for pujas and prayers and stuff. And uh, so he pulled it, it was this cheap aluminum. Some of them are made from brass and copper. And, you know, this is this cheap, funky aluminum lota. And it was all rusty and grungy, right? And he unwraps it and he holds it out in front of me and he looks me in the eyes. And he goes, Do you see? I said, What? He said, Maharaji left this for me. The last time he came to the house, this is what he left for me. And he's looking at me like a madman. He's looking at me like, do you see? He left this for me. Do you see? I'm saying, no, I don't see. It. And I'm thinking, Dada has lost his mind. I better get out of here fast. Do you see? And I said, no, Dada, I don't see. It. And he looks at me. He goes, You don't have to shine. (laughs) He wrapped it up, put it back, closed the cupboard, locked it, hid the key underneath the door, and left me standing there. You don't have to shine, you know? It's not about shining. It's not about shining. That's all bullshit. It's not about shining. Try to remember that, okay? When you find yourself polishing your arms off, you know, and your elbows within. Wait a minute. You know, what am I doing? You know? Just remember. You don't have to shine. Hmm? Yeah, I went to the camp. No, I I went to the camp and I had a good time. It's nice. But, you know, Maharaji, Maharaji, also didn't shine, you know. He, he wore a blanket. You know? He didn't wear holy clothes and fancy silk things and sannyasi colors, and he didn't drive around fancy cars. You know, he wandered around like a like a bum. You know? But as somebody once wrote, Maharaj is nothing special. Very little, you know, but his body fills the universe. You know? He he didn't need to shine. He didn't need any attention. It's not there was nobody in there to get attention. It was, he'd become all of us. He'd become the whole thing. You don't have to shine. But we all want to shine, don't we? We want to shine, and want people to love us, and we want to attract stuff to us, and get more and more. It's natural. That's what we're. That's why we're human beings. That's why we're. We got born to work out all this shit. So just remember, we got to just keep reminding ourselves what the real thing is about. You know, that's all we can do. You know, we can just keep reminding ourselves, and practice helps us remember helps us remember what it's really all about. (laughs) Another question? Yeah. Um, I don't think that's on. Does it work? Yep. (laughs) <laughs> it's okay.
4: Um, this isn't really a question. It was. I won't boring. really give you an answer. Man. That's okay. okay. I just wanted to um, say that yesterday Sarah mentioned that we all could probably remember a time when we first listened to one of your albums or something and connected with you in that way. And um, This is my first time at Bhakti Fest and my first time being in Kirtan with you and I just wanted to thank you, and not just you, but all of the musicians that play with you. It's just so beautiful, and I know that you're saying that you do this for yourself. However, you do provide a very transformative experience for us, and so thank you for holding space like that.
3: You're welcome, Thank thank you. We don't want to get into the, you know, methinks the lady doth protest too much. I mean, I dig it. Yeah, I got it. But it's okay. Hi. Yeah.
4: Hello. Hi. Um, I've read a lot about the Eastern masters and. Um, the what? The Eastern masters and gurus. Uh-huh. And
3: you mean like New York, East Coast? <laughs>
4: And um, a lot of them appear to their devotees after they leave their body. And I was wondering if the Maharajas appeared to you in his body, physical body, after he left?
3: If he did, I wasn't looking. <laughs> um, I've had dreams of him. You know, I've had experiences for sure. But for me, it's... Uh, is it, it was my... Misunderstanding that thought that the, that body was the guru, okay? It was just my, my, my misunderstanding. The guru, guru, God, and self are one. Guru, God, and self. God, and self, the whole thing. And it's his presence that's always available. It's always here. Because he's, he's here. He's always here. There was no other place he could ever be except right here. And all I need to do is remember to look. And when I chant, that's the most intense periods of me looking, so to speak, and remembering and being in that space. Um, I was very attached to his body, and which is why I suffered so much when he died. Or I left the body. But that was just my particular uh, shtick I had to get over, you know I had to go through that. And by his grace, a lot of that has gotten lighter, you know? Uh, So. uh, But there's people who have dreams of him all the time. Every day. And they never met him. Physically. It really pisses me off. (laughs) People come to me and say, Oh, I had this dream of Maharaj and he told me to give you his love. I said, I said, next time you dream of them, tell me to come see me. <laughs> what am I, chop liver? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, I'll hear you. Yeah, 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 sure. So, listen, um, I could stay all day and talk to you all, but we have to end it. And I would like to sing Hanuman Chalisa with you. Okay, it's all right.
5: Guru Chadan, so Jaraja, Dichaman, no Sudhari, Paranor, Ku, Pada, the Malaja, Sudhai, Ku, Pala. me Not Shitna Nadari Mamma Matase Sam Sukha Kari Sankarta Kate Mate Sapira Thank
3: Salzburg and i did a workshop in uh, la and it was such a beautiful space and at the end i said oh man wouldn't it be great if we could like all live together somewhere you know (laughs) and then i thought wait a minute that's what earth is Have day. Take good care of yourselves, please, and uh, see you around. Mm-hmm.